Louise McSharry on 2FM. But now um, we've been talking about housing for, well, forever it feels like in this country, but certainly this week it seemed like there was just bleak news story after bleak news story. And when we get confused about housing, we turn in How to Be an Adult to Dr. Lorcan Sir, who is uh, from the School of Real Estate and Construction Economics at the Technological University Dublin. Hello, Lorcan. Hi Louise, I was listening to a woman during the week on the radio talk about imposter syndrome and now I know what I have every time I come up with you. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that every time I talk to you I feel like you're like Ooh, but you are well able um, and and it, it did seem like it was a bad week I feel like every time I looked at a news website there was a new bad story about housing Yeah, and well, you know housing has been like this for you know, decades it's not just even the last 10 years it's, it's always, I was looking at debates in the doll from the 1950s and they were around about housing but yeah, last week in particular um, the Minister had, you know, what was supposed to be a good news week with his announcements of affordable housing schemes and shared equity and all that kind of stuff but it was, you know, overshadowed immediately by the news from Minute about the fund buying up, you know, the 135 brand new houses from under the nose of the first time buyers. So the good news week kind of turned sour very quickly. And then the momentum has kind of kept going all week with um, various articles in newspapers and, you know, what they're going to do about the funds. And myself and Arla Hegarty had a, a piece in the in the journal, yes, journal yesterday looking at, you know, the politics of it. So, and the politics angle is really interesting in this. But yeah, it's, it, it's, it's kind of uh, an ongoing story and rapidly evolving, uh, yeah. which I'm sure the politicians don't like. Yeah, no, it's not great. Lorcan, I tell you what, your line is just a bit wonky there for us. So we're going to ring yeah. you back. Um, so we'll yeah, ring yeah, you straight okay. back, okay? Yeah. Um, we'll get Lorcan back in a second. But, you know, I think what he was saying there is so is is the truth. There's a lot going on. There's good news. There's bad news. Obviously, everybody wants houses to be built to try and make the situation better. But then there's the question of who is building houses and where the money is coming from and how we can keep the houses going to the right people and have the right people benefiting from them. Um, so he's back now. Hello, Hello Lorcan. Hi, Louise. Sorry about that. That's okay. These things happen. Um, technology, we have relied on it very heavily this year and sometimes it doesn't work and that's absolutely fine. Um, so... One of the things that I wanted to ask you about was uh, the funds, as you said, because I've I've heard this expression or this acronym or EIT read um, a fair bit this week. And, and can you explain, as if I am seven years old, what is happening with the funds scooping up housing or building housing in Ireland? Yeah, the, the, real, the Real Estate Investment Trust, they're only one section of what we might call broadly the funds. So they're what we call institutional investment funds, big money going around the world looking for places to invest. And REITs are only kind of one type. I think only about four REITs in the country. But you know, people have kind of hooked onto that type. But what, what they do, it's essentially global money, money from Wall Street and going around the world looking for things to invest in to look for a, a return. And in 2013, Michael Moonen, basically invite them into the country to to, to start what he thought would be to start building um, mostly apartments for rent um, so that he could kickstart construction and get people accommodation. But they've evolved and they've kind of got well embedded in, in the country here. And not alone do they own I think fifteen to eighteen thousand, you know, units. Most of them apartments uh, for rent. But they've also, in the last few years, started to kind of um, spread their 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 tentacles out into the suburbs and buy up suburban housing for renting. Some of it for renting back to councils, and some of it for renting to families. But you know, every year about ninety five percent of the apartments that we build are sold to these funds. So it's it's kind of like anybody looking to live in the city centre. It's going to be hollowed out by kind of one and two beds. There'll be no family accommodation in the city centre really because these funds don't want family accommodation. They want one and two beds. So there, it's just big global money, Louise, kind of circling the world. And they're in London and they're in South Africa and Sydney and everywhere. And they're here um, because we brought them in effectively. 
And can we get can them we get out? Them um, we can, I suppose. We could. The, the reason that they're 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 here is because we've made it very generous in, in taxation terms for them. It, it's it's very lucrative um, for them to be here. It's so lucrative that they can kind of. Oh, the other story I don't know if you you saw during the week was that some of these funds were outbidding approved housing bodies, basically, you know, housing associations trying to buy houses and they were outbidding them by €80,000 a house. And that kind of shows you how lucrative it is for them if they can afford to outbid, you know, the next person by eighty grand a house. It's obviously very lucrative. So getting them out will would involve significant change to their tax structure to make it, like, not as profitable or not profitable at all for them to be here. Or we could change kind of planning legislation. But it's, you know, the government are very wary of, Getting, they think they need them, so they're very wary to do anything. But on the other hand, they're caught because, you know, it's all bad news. These funds come in snapping up brand new houses from under the under the the nose of the first time, you know, single people and couples and whatever. Um, so they're kind of caught in a bind. They brought them in. They think they need them, but on the other hand, they're not conducive to supplying affordable housing for people. So you know, they're they're kind of damned if they do and damned if they don't. And I heard uh, a housing expert, Connor Skeen, on Brendan O'Connor's show last weekend, and he was saying, there's no housing problem in Ireland. It's the same in every country, in every busy market. Um, we don't have any special issues. What would you say to that? Um, well, just because we're no different anywhere else doesn't mean that it doesn't mean it's great either. You know, uh, yeah, every country, these funds are in, are in are in most, you know, developed world um, cities and countries. Um, but it, that doesn't mean that it, it's right or appropriate that the problems we have, that we should, should sit back and accept them as as being normal or, you know, to normalise them. We should act like we can create a new normal by and be different from everybody else. There's no harm there. Um, so he, he's, he's right in a way, but that doesn't, it, it, like he's kind of implying that that we should, you know, accept this uh, as being a normal part. But, you know, it, it's not that easy to accept that if you're, 27 or 37 and you're living at home with your parents again and you can't afford to buy somewhere and even though you've saved um, for a deposit perhaps you go down the end of the road to a new housing estate and suddenly it's all snapped up um, by some fund um, so it, 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 you can change the norm just because it's, it's in inverted commas normal in a, in a market doesn't mean it's acceptable And can I ask you aside from getting rid of the funds or you know limiting the funds or trying to solve that particular facet of the problem we obviously have a supply problem as well how do you think that could be solved well there is a kind of mantra that you know it's all about supply 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 I mean, to be really honest with you it's a bit simplistic that to say it's all about supply 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 what we've been trying to do over the years is supply a market with kind of um, to use a, an analogy like Mercedes-Benz when really what the market needs is a whole load of Ford Fiestas. So you, you really need the kind of, it has to be the right type of supply. It has to be at the right price and it has to be in the right location. So it's not just as simple as to say it's all about supply, supply, supply. And the, the other kind of mantra that you'll hear, the other kind of dogma that comes particularly from the economists is that, you know, if we build enough housing, the, the price will come down. But, you know, housing doesn't work like that. Housing is a luxury good. So builders are very careful to supply the amount of housing every year in such a manner that prices won't fall. It's all about maintaining the market price. And um, so they're not going to oversupply a market. Builders don't build them when prices fall. They're not going to oversupply a market to the extent that the prices are going to fall. So what you see government doing in the last year or two is doing everything they can to prop up that market price. In other words, by giving people, you know, first-time buyers, grants, shared equity schemes, everything to help them pay that market price rather than kind of bringing that market price down. So the mantra of supply, supply, supply is way too simplistic. It has to be the right supply. And we, we haven't been really supplying the right supply. We've been busy supplying apartments for rent, you know, for these funds and student housing and co-living. And they're all 
what I would call Mac housing solutions. You know, they, they might look good and satisfy you for 20 minutes, but an hour later, you're kind of wondering, why did I eat that for? Uh, and they're not really genuine housing solutions for people who want, you know, to have families or to, you know, live near their parents or to just have affordable housing. So we've been kind of doing the wrong supply at the wrong price and often in the wrong location as well. Um, moving on to a different facet, if you are someone who is in a position to buy and you have been granted mortgage approval, last time we spoke, we were talking about the restrictions, the COVID restrictions, which meant that people were having to make an offer on houses or apartments before they could actually view them. And um, that's changing now, isn't it? Yeah, you, you can go and the viewings are now, you can do viewings and obviously they'll be very well, you know, they'll be very carefully controlled and, and that. But obviously that's much better because the largest, you know, the biggest thing you're ever going to buy in your life and which is going to see you through until you die effectively is your house. Uh, and see you through, I don't mean just physically, but also financially. Houses are, you know, they're part of our welfare system to own a house, which is why we are so obsessed with home ownership in Ireland. So, it, of course, you want if you're going to spend two, three, four hundred thousand on a house, you you really want to go and see it. And it was it was really awkward there for a long time where you can only look at houses virtually. But you know, at the same time, people were snapping up houses. Like my, I have a couple of friends who are mortgage brokers, and they've never been busier. And it's mostly with kind of younger people, not entirely, but mostly with younger people. So, what houses have been out there have been you know selling pretty quickly, which is amazing given that a lot of people couldn't really go and see them until they'd almost got the contract signed. Do you think that people are kind of desperate because things are bad and there's a worry that if you don't get in now you won't be able to get in? There's a, I think there's a confluence of a few different things. One is people at home and they've been saving like mad um, and you, you really see so prices have gone up and you see that kicking in around August or September last year when people had been home for say six months and they've been you know they've been saving like Billy really you know the money that they would have spent going out and doing kind of what you might call frivolous things they've been putting away and living at home at Mammy and saving as much as they can so people have money and they're getting mortgage approval because a lot of people still wouldn't have lost their job a lot of people obviously have lost their jobs but you know a lot of people would be working from home so they excuse me they have the salary but without the rent because they've left where they were living um, so that and then uh, a, a, the opportunity arising then from having the money and a lot of people didn't want to sit around and wait until things lifted and then have everybody in on the market so I think you know the limited supply and people with with the deposits all saved they were just getting out there as soon as they could and buying something before the hordes descend again you know mm-hmm. uh, shortly yeah, that makes sense. Um, okay, well, if people have questions for Lorcan, you can text in. 51552 is the number to text. You can email us as well, louise at rte.ie. And Lorcan always pretends like he's not an expert, but he is. Um, he is never, he is yet to be unable to answer a question anyway. So 51552 is the number to text. Lorcan, we'll be back with you in just a moment. Louise McSherry on 2FM. Couldn't help but think about that this morning as I was driving through Dublin in the rain. That is big from Fontaine's DC on 2FM. Now, we've tried a third. A third technological method with Lorcan. Hello, Lorcan. Yeah, you're starting to write me letters now, Louise. Soon. <laughs> I'll be sending you a carrier pigeon. I have to train up in semaphore <laughs> or something. Um, anyway, look, we're here now and we have questions for you. But before we get into the questions, I wanted to ask you about one more thing. Because one thing that I hear kind of rolled out when we talk about housing frequently is people saying, sure, in Germany, they rent for their whole lives and, they, and they're they're grand. But there's a huge difference between those kind of rental markets and our rental markets, aren't there? Because those people get long-term contracts or leases they get rights to do what they want within the gaff as it were um you know the way that we are regulated our rental experience is regulated is very different isn't it 
Yeah, absolutely. The average lease term in Germany is about 11 and a half years and it's, it's about two years here. But it's not just that. In, in Germany, you can kind of afford to rent all your life because your rents will be considerably lower than the comparable rents here. So it means that like what people forget about when you're talking about renting all your life, when you hit 65 or whatever age, you retire. Your salary, when you go into a pension of some sort, but, you know, say you have a work pension, your salary is going to go down by 40 or 50 percent, but your rent won't necessarily go down by 40 or 50 percent. And that's kind of our system here is predicated on home ownership so that when you retire and your salary reduces, your mortgage is paid off at the same time. And that's why banks only give mortgages to people to the date that they're going to retire on, you know, so that Mm. the two things coincide. In Germany, your rent will be a lot less. Um, which means that throughout your life you tend to find that people in those countries will save a lot more during their life so that when they do retire and they still have rent to pay they will be able to afford to do that and afford right. to stay in a rental uh, property so that's aside from all the the kind of permanent security of tenure that they have that mm. we don't have here so th- the bigger issue really is around you know how do you afford to pay your rent when you're 65 and yeah. you know in a way it'll be great to have a system like the like the Germans but it would require us our rents to drop by probably about 50% if we're going to make that affordable for people. So you can imagine, you know, retiring and you still have 1,500 euro a month to pay out of your rent, but your salary is suddenly in half. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely impossible. Um, Okay, thank you for explaining that. We have questions for you. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Uh, This one says, I have the help to buy for years, but I can't use it as there are no new builds where I live. So why can't it be used for older houses for sale to fill them rather than for developers' pockets? That would get more people on the property ladder. It makes no sense, says this person. What do you say to that? Absolutely right. I mean, she's hit the nail on the head in her question herself because those kind of help to buy and shared equity are all designed to support as a, basically a subvention for the house builders effectively so if they were I think and I'm going to say say this out loud now because I think that if the government were really interested in housing people they would allow those grants that that texter that has uh, to be used on secondhand housing so they could house themselves rather than restricting it to new build by restricting it to new build it's basically she's absolutely right it's going into the, the house builder's pocket and um, but it's designed not to help word buy a house but to to support the house builder uh, because apparently they can't build without uh, you know achieving a certain price mm. okay the next one says do any of my rights change if i'm renting from a reit or a vulture fund compared to a private renter no, your, your your rights are the same under the Residential Tenancies Act, so there will be absolutely no difference. The only people who have slightly different rights are people renting from a local authority or an approved housing body, but that's their minimal differences. But pretty much everybody has the same rights, and it's under the Residential Tenancies Act, um, two thousand four, two thousand fifteen. There's loads of them, but your rights are pretty much. Actually, if anybody's interested in the rights, the Citizens Information website is brilliant about all these kind of things. Well, speaking of rights, uh, this one says my previous landlord gave us notice because he said his daughter was moving in. We since learned that he just got new tenants in and put up the rent, which is totally wrong. But what can we do? We're now living with my mother and are pretty peeved off with the whole situation. Where can we report him? The Residential Tenancies Board, I mean, that's an offence under the Residential Tenancies Act. Um, not allowed to do that. Uh, evict, see, this is back to your point about Germany. In, in Germany, they can't do that. A landlord couldn't get a tenant out because a family member wanted to use the property. Where, whereas here, there's, there's, I think, nine grounds where they can uh, evict somebody. And a family member wanting the property is one of them. So the landlords, you know, quite frequently use this excuse to get tenants out and get somebody else in. So there's probably two offences going on there. Mm. One is the one of lying to you and saying that I want a family member and then not a family member going in. Mm. And the second one is, I bet you he has raised the rent by more than 4% uh, if it's in a rent pressure zone, which, you know, again, is another offence. So straight to the Residential Tenancies Board to do, to do their complaints and 
dispute section there. And what would the consequence be for that landlord? Well, the RTB will, will, you know, well, usually get onto them and probably ultimately issue a fine and compensation to the tenant. You know, that's, I'm making it sound like that's a very easy and straightforward process. It's not that difficult, but it can be time consuming. And the RTB, as most of these organisations are, you know, they could always do it with more staff. Um, but I would pursue it because just even on the principle of it, I mean, it's done now and, and the poor tenant is out, but I would pursue it on the principle of not letting these people away with doing something like that. It's wrong and it's illegal. Well, that's why I ask, because I'm wondering, like, what kind of money are we talking? What kind of fine is it? Um, because, you know, I would imagine that most most people in that situation just won't pursue it because it's, it'll be more hassle than it's worth. Um, and so I'm wondering if the consequences are, are enough of a deterrent. Yeah, I think I think landlords rely on, I know this is a very, very small percentage of landlords. I'm not tarring all that landlords with this brush, but, you know, I think landlords rely on, tenants being not motivated to complain and not understanding um, their rights and not expecting them to go back and chase it up. So obviously that tenant, you know, went back to the property and managed to find out who was in it and knew that it wasn't the landlord's, you know, relative like they said it was. So I think a lot of landlords kind of rely on on ignorance and a lack of motivation on behalf of the tenant, which which makes it doubly important to go yeah. back uh, and chase this. And uh, this is the kind of thing that I would pursue <laughs> with a vengeance, um, because it's just wrong and it, it does other landlords a, a disservice as well, you know, um, by kind of doing those kind of things. Yeah, and I mean that's something that comes up every time we speak. As you say, you know, the the majority of landlords are decent people, and so many of them made an effort to make things easier for people through COVID. So when you hear about things like this, it is very frustrating. And of course, these are the things that people hear that make them feel like unsafe in their homes, waiting for the phone call to be told that they have to move again. I saw someone, you know, someone I know on Instagram is posting she and her kids have had to move five times in the last ten years because every time they get settled in one house, they get a phone call from the landlord saying oh sorry we've decided to sell or you know whatever the situation is that you need to move out that's that's no way for people to live and the, go- and the government that's no, way no and the government are terrified of taking away those rights from landlords uh, you know the right to evict somebody because your niece or nephew is coming up to Dublin to go to university and you're going to give them the, the flat or whatever it is you know they're terrified of taking them away whereas you know civilised countries uh, the Germans and the Swiss A they don't allow those funds the large funds to come in and buy up residential property so they've done that and B they give long term security of tenure which means that you know if you're living in an apartment and you can stay there all your life the, the landlord can buy and sell that apartment or you know sell that apartment onto somebody else it won't affect you your rent will just be going into someone else's bank account every month instead of the previous landlord so the, the apartments get traded uh, on the market as normal but it doesn't affect the tenant which is the most important thing the governments here have you know traditionally been terrified of, of impinging what they see on, on landlords rights or property rights mm. look uh, thank you so much we haven't solved it um, but I don't think there's any real surprise there um, <laughs> that is Dr Lorcan Sir from the School of Real Estate and Construction Economics at the Technical Technological University Dublin thank you so much Lorcan thanks Louise talk to you again Louise McSherry on 2FM